around the world. It's Greg. And it's Jamie. And we're the bottom tier. Bottom tier. Welcome. We're super, super thrilled to have all of you guys with us today. Thank you for joining us again for episode 30-something of the bottom tier. I forget exactly which episode we're on, uh, but we're really, really excited to have you guys with us here today. Matt, Jamie, how are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. It was a great weekend full of excitement and uh, outsider information, so I, I loved it. It was a good time. Went to the pre-release. Yeah, the pre-release was a blast. Yeah. Good set. I think so, too. I, I also had a good time at pre-release. So, guys, we, we have a little housekeeping to do before we jump into uh, today's broader topics. Um, I'm sure that you've all noticed that Jamie has graced our presence with his illustrious, beautiful voice for two weeks now. Um, and we have a little bit of an update for everybody. Uh, Matt, our, our good friend and co-founder of The Bottom Tier, uh, and his wife are pregnant. Yeah. That is correct. We're pregnant. And uh, on top of that, we're having a boy. Super exciting. Heck yeah. A true son of Christ. <laughs> true <laughs> son of Christ. And so with, well, I, son of Christ, I, or is Christ, the, I don't know, whatever. However that works, I don't know. I don't go to church. But <laughs> with that, uh, that means that we have a due date of August 7th. And uh, as I figure my stuff out, the panic has already arose inside of my system of like, wow, I have a living life to have to deal with and feed and do all that type of stuff. So uh, Jamie has been awesome enough to be willing to come join us for these next few months and also be able to take over for a short amount of time. It doesn't, we don't know how long it's going to be, but in August 7th or August ish time or July, whatever, when the baby pops out, <laughs> I will not be present, uh, for a time just to be with my child and figure things out and as so, you should be. And so thanks Jamie for stepping in and being, uh, my mouthpiece. No, <laughs> <laughs> anytime, anytime. We're, we're, we're going to have you write all of your notes out, Matt, on like what you want to talk yeah. about. And then Jamie's just going to show up and just read the script. Yeah, you got to send us in a dad joke every week. <laughs> you know what? I'll do a dad joke every week. That yeah. sounds good. And also, like, Jamie, you're welcome. Like, you're going to be here forever now. So congrats. Thanks, and you've always been someone that uh, has also inspired this podcast in quite a way of us wanting to learn and, and be open. And so we're just really excited to have you and and your skill set and being more competitive than we are, but also being casual at the same time at, at the bottom tier. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It is absolutely our pleasure, guys. A little bit about Jamie really quick. Uh, he is one of the best players here in the local community. Um, he's been to Pro Tour in France. He's, done, he's won Road to Nationals. Uh, and a bunch of other really impressive uh, sort of accolades like that. He's also just all around a hella cool dude, um, one of our favorite guys. And uh, when Matt and I were talking about this, like the first name we both came up with was his. So uh, I, I feel like we're in good hands. Uh, Matt's not going to go anywhere for the next few months, probably, while he's, you know, awaiting the joyous moment. Um, so don't worry. We're, we're just we're adding on, guys. We're, we're getting so popular <laughs> and so famous worldwide that we simply cannot do it two men anymore. It's now three of us. So Bottoms, let's give a big round of applause to Jamie. Woo. All right. The, the, our soundboard uh, no longer makes uh, sounds. So that's, that's cool and exciting. The buttons light up, but nothing happens. Cool. Why did that one hit? Oh, that is too perfect. I love that sound. That's so good. <laughs> that was perfect. All right. So with the housekeeping out of the way, boys, let's uh, let's jump into today's fun topic. Let's talk about outsiders. Let's talk about pre-release. Let's talk about how we did, uh, what we think of it, spicy pulls, whatever we got. Let's uh, let's start off. Matt, you got something? 
Yeah, uh, I woke up in the morning ready on Saturday and decided, oh, I'm going to play Azalea. And I uh, <laughs> played the whole event as Azalea and um, won two games, I believe. Won twice and uh, lost the rest. And uh, that means uh, I switched to um, Riptide. Riptide at the end just to do some practice games with Riptide. And I was doing way better. And I was like, gosh darn it. All I right. should have just been Riptide the whole time. And that happens to me every time. A mm. pre-release so far. So uh, out there, was starting off like I didn't get any good pulls or legendaries or anything like that. But uh, Riptide is very, very good in this sealed format. For well, sure. I, I just think in general, Riptide's going to fix the main issue with Ranger, whereas the arrows have to be shot from Arsenal. Now with playing like a non-attack or something, you being able to load those arrows and not be limited by your bow to one a turn, I think it's going to be revolutionary for Ranger. Like definitely having the reload basically on demand um, mm -hmm. just solves a huge issue with because because Rangers is, is even though all the classes are unique, Ranger kind of stands like outside of that or above it a little bit. Right. In that like the entire flow of your turn is about loading up that arrow so that you can actually you know do something with the class. Right. Um, and the arrows are usually cost to power level. They're they're really high. You got like ones for one resource for six, but then you have to factor in the uh, the bow cost, but. With Riptide, you don't. So suddenly you do have these one for sixes that you don't have to really worry about and things like that. Yeah. And the other thing that I learned is it's not as thinky when it comes to trying to be um, uh, taxed out or having your cards out. Like Riptide's able to come back when that's happening to him quite a bit, mm -hmm. um, which is excellent because you're able to pull off some really good shots and, and things of that nature uh, to get the most out of it. For example, when I was playing Azalea, I was being, um, man, there's a different word for it where they're eating your cards or fatiguing. Fatiguing. You. There you go. I fatigued. I'm <laughs> remembering that word. Uh, but as I was being fatigued as Azalea, I remember I had to be cognizant of like, okay, if I pitch my arrow to be able to instant my arrow in there so I can be able to pull that card when I have the last four cards in my hand and three of them are arrows, right. I could be able to win with that dominate at the end there. And uh, if I was playing Riptide, I'd been able to probably push that damage even faster in a turn. So it, it was interesting on that aspect of playing the sealed event. I felt it was very fatiguing in general uh, mm -hmm. with all of them. And I think the Rangers kind of actually had something to overcome it uh, this time which was cool a little bit i did run into because i played riptide in the event and mm -hmm. i didn't do the best either but i wanted to test riptide more than i wanted to win the event mm -hmm. right and i ended up building like a 41 card deck so i was playing 11 extra cards excuse me and i still got fatigued completely twice um they were close games and i got my opponent down to like sub four cards but again it, it still runs into the you're a ranger, you don't have a weapon that can attack, and they do. So if that tempo does twist, they were able to, like... There was a point where I had an assassin opponent. They had four cards left, and I had, like, 12 or 15. Between there, like, I had a lot. But we were both really low life totals, and I was at one. So they were able to just uh, dagger, dagger, and send an attack. That was a break point, and I didn't get another turn after that, and they ate my last, my whole deck. So it is something that can happen. Yeah, it, it is. And it just seemed like a normal, like, tactic for this set, especially with those mm -hmm. assassins. Like, when I was versing Azuri, they were usually just trying to fatigue me as a ranger. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of, I think, the biggest, uh, for me, biggest bummer of the set. I, I mean, fatiguing is a great strategy, but that was the biggest, like, 
dang, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit of a bummer that that's like everyone's strategy as soon as they see I play Azalea, I'm just getting fatigued. Or yeah, it's the so. default strategy, which is unfortunate because it is also semi-easy to do in a yeah. way. No, yeah, it's just especially with having two weapons like Kadachis or Dag, like mm -hmm. that, you're able to just, yep, I'll do this, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, just chip away. And the, uh, the on-hit for the daggers for Assassin, it, I felt was extra relevant in this set. Um, in the limited environment, like that minus block actually did a lot. It can really hurt when all you have is a handful of attack actions and you have to block uh, against stuff after a spider spike. Like that can that can send you right down. I, I played Benji during the pre-release. Yeah, so it was all two blocks. Mm -hmm. uh, so one spider's bite, suddenly it's one blocks. And another spider's bite, suddenly it's zero blocks. And I'm just, I just have to take whatever they throw at me. So that was... That was kind of monstrous. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. I, I, all in all, though, like I had a great pre-release. Uh, Azalea did their job, and it was a lot of fun to be able to play with these new cards. And man, those Ranger cards and the new quivers and everything—they do add spice and validity to both heroes. And so uh, I'm excited to see how this affects both Blitz, Draft, and like Elastic Constructed in general, because I think we'll finally see. Azalea and Riptide get LL points pretty fast. So. Oh yeah, I was I was a little surprised at the power level of Azuri. I felt like um, in sealed, uh, not talking about draft yet, but in sealed, Azuri was a good default just because it's so hard to block effectively because it's of that attack reaction. It's impossible to predict what she's going to do. Oh yeah, and it's like something that didn't stick out to me until the actual event is that virulent touch card. Um, the uh, they could just swap that in like a blue, like if you like double blocked their their stealth card, they just swap in this like one or two attack blue that says at the end of the chain link, if this was blocked with a card from hand, they get a blood pox. I actually lost a game to that, Ooh. yeah, because I was like, oh, they're gonna swap in like a, a five or six attack Death touch or something can like they, that, yeah. yeah. Can they actually put that in there because it says you can't play it from hand? Exactly, but you don't because the attack you reaction, banish you banish it, it. And then you play it from your banish zone, so technically not from hand. Oh, yeah, and and what's dirty is it doesn't say when this is blocked by a card, they get a blood pox. They says when this chain link closes if it was blocked by a card. So it, I feel like they specifically thought about that card for Azuri, and it definitely got me in a game. It was brutal. Blood pox is really powerful. Oh yeah, all those all those token effects. When so I first really saw them, good. yeah, I was like, these we are. Do you need to talk about those tokens? Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll double back yeah, to that. But uh, any surprises from the pre-release, good or bad, from you two? Uh, great question. Honestly, I think you're right on on Verlin touch. It ended up being very beneficial for Riptide as well. Mm -hmm. Like being able to push that card was really really cool and, and more powerful than. Honestly, I think my biggest surprise was um, the amount of – it's just player base. Like, the amount of players that chose to be Azuri was actually very surprising to me. Oh, yeah. I yeah. only played against Assassin. Uh, one Arachne and four Azuris. Yeah. Five rounds. And I honestly think that people slept on Arachne because Arachne is very – like, that young Arachne is very dangerous mm -hmm. and can produce a lot. Like, mm -hmm. that is the aggro version of this, like, set, I would say, is that, that – uh, yeah, better than, than the ninjas, I would say. Yeah, like I, I was really surprised with how good Solitary Confinement ended up being. Just the simple change of giving him the ability that your first card with stealth gets go again, mm -hmm. that solves so many issues 
you know, with kind of the assassin class in general and with uh, the previous version of Arachne originally, where you basically, like, as far as I can, I, I could see it, needed the Black Tech Whispers in order to get the go-again effects to keep the momentum up because, like, nothing assassin-flavored has built-in go-again. Yeah, and a lot of these stealth cards do have those, like, on-hit to make a status effect. So even if they're sending, like, a... Uh, blue one go again you get a frailty or something you're just like oh it's like a dagger hit do i block a one or do i get that token and then they get to do something else yeah it, you just triggered something in my brain of the go agains again zuri being a surprise was you could swap for a ravenous rabble oh yeah it doesn't reveal a card because it's azuri's ability mm -hmm. and uh, it gives it natural go again so yeah able to keep going it's that that was a like a a cheeky little thing that I really didn't think about either because just play the rabble first. But no, I get to swap this out and a zero for five go again. Okay. Yeah, gross. Mm. Pretty gross indeed. I don't know if it's the best card in the set, but it's... One of the best commons. Rabble is... good. Like, it, rabble is so good, um, especially if you can cheese it out without having to pay the cost. Um but yeah, so like uh, solitary confinement was really my biggest surprise. My other biggest surprise was how few people uh, were prepared to play against a guy playing Benji. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure nobody saw that coming. So everybody was just like, "What the hell does this guy even do?" Like people were reading the card like four or five times each game just to make sure that they had the pagination and everything right. Um, so that was a ton of fun. I I missed the trigger a couple of times on it. It's uh, it's something nobody thinks about the the uh, the attack buff trigger. Yeah, from right. Benji. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I certainly didn't a couple of times, and it kind of screwed me at the very end. I was playing against a guy who literally had no idea about Benji like at all, um, and he was playing uh, he was playing uh, Azuri. I'm pretty sure. So we and we get in this game, and we we're stopping every turn to talk about why he can or can't block something that I'm playing as Benji based on the power. It was so bad that we actually had to redo the game because there were so many misplays and so many like misses on things mm. that it just it to both of us it just felt gross to take the the first result. Oh, okay. So so that was the biggest shock was this set has been had been spoiled for a while and people weren't ready for uh, everybody's favorite troll ninja. <laughs> yeah, cuz it is an older hero but it's also one of the oldest heroes, so if you didn't play back then and have to deal with Benji, it kind of wasn't a popular hero since I started playing in Tales. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, it existed, and so people wrote it off. Oh, I already know what Benji does and didn't really look at him or his cards. And then, you know, sometimes it's just weird interactions. It's kind of just funny that the new heroes were well, more well-known than Benji, though. That's kind of really funny. Right, it yeah. is weird. That's a weird one. Uh, so what about you? What was your biggest surprise or takeaway from... Um, how awesome Riptide is. Just like <laughs> yeah. playing him, because I've always wanted Ranger to be a great class, um, but I just felt that it couldn't be because of the arrow mechanic. It, it just didn't quite have enough to push the last bit in the end game to get to the wins. Exactly, and I feel like Riptide is one of the best-designed heroes, if not the best-designed hero, for the way he plays and what you want to do uh, with the, the loading the arsenal thing. You, it's so versatile beyond just arrows. It's like weird things like trying to deal with a Benji attack comes in and you get to like play the instant that blocks the next damage you take. And then you could load a trap into your arsenal by playing that instant. So their next attack you can block from arsenal with a D-react. Or something that you can only play from arsenal. Like um, a, a death touch isn't 
Right, yeah, you know, yeah. In one of his cards, but something along those lines Lord where you have to touchers. have... Is it? Is, yeah, is, it's, is, it's is, Ranger Is it Assassin, assassin? Ranger? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so something like a Death Touch or something like that, you can queue it up, have it ready to go like immediately or whenever you want it to be. So like really powerful, and then getting the chip damage when you trigger a trap. Oh, so fun. So I, good. I, I killed two people with traps. It felt so good. That's awesome. So That's good. really cool. Mm. With, speaking of traps, another surprise was... Uh, the Ranger Assassin cards, I don't think I realized some of them were traps. So yeah. forgetting yeah. about that and having a rain or an assassin all of a sudden trap me, be like, oh, snap. That's that that hurt. I think hurt, all yeah. three of the common ones are yeah. both Ranger Assassin. Yeah. All, all, all three of the, yeah, the three that give you the uh, the tokens. Yeah, Inertia, Blood Pots, yeah. and Frailty. Which, let's talk about those for a second. I, I thought Blood Pots was going to be the scariest one of those three, but actually, uh, I think Inertia scares me more than anything else. And especially in a constructed format. Inertia is disgusting. But Blood Pots does exactly Or like, I got to give up a whole card for this. I'm just going to take my turn anyway and die to it, <laughs> essentially. It's, it's correct, yeah. Blood Pots, you definitely want to be able to do that um, until you only start worrying about it until the end of the game. And then Inertia is like... Um, it's funny, every time I got Inertia, I already had, like, zero cards. Yeah, Inertia is very situational. Yeah. Yeah, and the Frailty I liked, but the problem I had with Frailty is it was, like, most of the time I triggered it off the trap where you block a go-again attack. So it's, like, most of the time my opponent would start with their daggers. So I'd, like, block the first one with an Inertia, and now you can't swing the second one. Ooh, it didn't feel like it did in Limited what it could do in Constructed. I, I felt good with Inertia on trying to be fatigued because they're trying to do chip damage to you mm-hmm. all of a sudden. And they're like, I think they forgot they had inertia because they were like, I hit you with this weapon. It's like, so you're attacking me for zero? Like, oh, yes. frailty, you mean. Or frailty, yeah. yeah. Sorry, frailty. And they're like, attacking me for zero? And like, yeah, attacking me for zero? Yep. And so it was just like, you wasted two attacks because you're trying to do that. And now I have a foregrip and I'm able to punish you, right? Yeah. So that, that was good in that circumstance of like trying to do the whole like, fatigue you uh so th- i i like that aspect but it's very situational like you said so. yeah. yeah and it's good i like it it's well balanced because it hits all the heroes right because the ninja and assassin it neuters their daggers and then the minus one attack from the arsenal it hurts arrows too so it's well designed yeah like th- overall like i feel like this set first of all it's a hell of a lot of fun to do sealed and presumably draft i haven't done a draft with it yet but it feels like it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun i'm um, hoping right and then it, like in Uprising, they tried to do like a rock, paper, scissors thing, and they kind of screwed the pooch on that they one. They made bit. the rock a little too heavy. A little too heavy. Uh, but in this one, it feels like there's actually like good synergy between all of or most of the heroes, where you're never quite sure, you know, what the hard counter is to another one. It's all kind of in that situational boat where if they're building, you know, a trap heavy riptide then you want to do this. But if they're doing like a more aggro build, then you want to do this or however that breaks down. So there's there's like enough variance here that I think is going to be fresh like for a long time. People will still be figuring out the lines as they go. Yeah, and I feel like uh, even within the class card pools, the two heroes and all three classes want to prioritize different cards. Um, you know, like if you're just getting a bunch of red arrows and things that opt, you're going Azalea. But if you just see a bunch of traps and like, not necessarily non-arrow cards, but more non-attacks and uh, like go-again cards, then you want to go Riptide. And the same with the other two classes. So I think that was a really smart design too because you could be like Assassin and the person to your left could be Assassin 
and you could be the different heroes going for different cards and it won't feel nearly as bad as like a three hero set. You could even, exactly, like you can play exactly the same hero, pull out of the same packs and have two completely different strategies behind Mm -hmm. the deck. So it just, it feels like it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun for the next little bit. I also feel that the sealed didn't let ninja shine because you're kind of based off of trying to get those combos linked together. So I didn't see a lot of ninjas because they weren't able to get the right combos. No, yeah, for sure. So I think draft is going to be more fun to be able to have them actually get pull off their combo and do like that. And we'll actually see ninjas pull through a little bit on that one. Yeah, because there's there's ninja cards that are also really good for Benji. Like, I forget what it's called, but the blue hits for one and the yellow hits for two, where like when it hits your next attack, it's like plus two. And deadly duo. Yeah, deadly duo. Great like, way, like third chain link, throw a deadly duo, fourth chain link, uh, spring load or something, so it gets a bonus off of itself, and then it gets a bonus off of the previous one, and you suddenly, you know, at the end of this chain, you're swinging in for eight. Yeah, and it's like a card that Katsu's not going to want. It's a, I guess, except for it's a zero pitch for uh, Kodachi. Just trigger the Kodachi. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's not going to be a high pick at all for them. Yeah. And things like that. I just, uh, I'm really hopeful this draft set i'm excited same same and i will say my hype for spring load paid off for you it's a good card i like it is it it it's it's a little situational but when the situation hits <laughs> like if the, if you play this card you have nothing else in your hand it gets plus one two or three depending on the pitch color so it just has a built-in bonus when you thro- when you are out of hand. So keep that in your arsenal for a turn. Burn your hand. You have like one floating. I mean, I, Boom, I had there you go. I had a red one with Riptide, and there would be turns where I'd be like, you know, block with a card. Then on my turn, I'd play a non-attack, put a, the other card in my hand in my arsenal, and then play the spring load from my hand, and be like, you know, no hand, and I got to load up my arsenal early because of Riptide and everything. It was a it was a fun card, harder to get off than I thought it would be, because sometimes you just don't get the opportunity to block. I felt like there were a lot of turns where your opponent might take a turn off, which hurt me once or twice. I would like arsenal a trap, and then they'd be like dagger pass, and I'd be like, oh, do I break my quiver? You know, it's kind of a good card too because it's just uh, it's rupture for anyone. Like it's oh, yeah. it's literally yeah. just that. So it's a lava burst for anyone that wants to use it. That costs one, and that's pretty cool at the very end. And, mm-hmm. I mean, if you put it in front, though, and give it go again, and then rupture, you're freaking gross. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. We, we didn't give you that idea, everybody. <laughs> that didn't okay. come from us. Don't, don't, don't come screaming at us when somebody does this <laughs> in your local community. It's not our fault. It's going to be me. It's 100% going to be you. It's going to be me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right, guys. So, uh, any uh, any further outsiders' thoughts? Um, just that I hope Riptide makes an impact in CC and Blitz. I th- I think he's going to like. I don't think there's a way he doesn't. Um, although I I think you're gonna have to get the legendary chest for him in order to run it. Well. Yeah, and New Horizons. And New Horizons. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Horizons, of course, uh, is astronomically expensive these days. Oh, it is. Uh, yeah. So good luck for that one. But you can still, you know, you can still pull it if if you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as someone uh, as yourself who was kind of just like I'm in hiatus a little bit till my hero comes back, uh, knowing now kind of have this like newfound love for Riptide. Is this like someone that you're kind of excited to? build and play as and kind of gets you excited again yeah for sure like my in blitz i'm i'm solid because i get to play my chain and prism but in cc i was coming in the set kind of looking at arachne and i already have one built 
but I'm just not feeling him, even with the new cards. But Riptide, I'm I'm actually very excited for Riptide. I don't think it's going to be like S tier per se. It's 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 not the second coming of Star Road, right? right? But I mean, it, but it does have tools. Those those inertia just shut down Icelander. Like if you you hit them with an inertia, and now they're not going to be able to arsenal to mess with you on your turn. And then like. Yeah, it's very potent against them, and I only got to play him really constructed-wise in Commoner, but once you start getting to um, constructed where you can play, like, the lace, lace cards with Inertia and things and Toxify with um, whatnot and hit more reliably, it, it might just be a kind of toolkit hero that can, and plus with all the traps, take care of a lot of heroes in the meta. Just kind of broaden out the sideboard a little bit just so you can, like, respond to any sort of situation right, that comes right. up. It'll be, like, a solid hero to play and, like, sharpen your skills and have a good time and win some events. And who knows? Maybe it will be the next Icelander Oldham. Man, that would be exciting. Okay. Uh, necessary question, then. Who's the natural counter to Riptide? Uh, Think about that for a second. Oldham. Uh-huh. Oldham Bravo. Anyone with a lot of D-Reacts, <laughs> unfortunately. Guardian Supremacy. Let's yeah, go, baby. You will get any hero that looks at fatigue will fatigue Ranger. There's just... And you don't get the uh, reliable dominate like Azalea, so... But I also, like, Riptide seems like they can also be a fatigue build if they really desire to. They can. One, one balancing thing that I like that they did is made, I believe, every single trap only block for three instead of four. Yeah. So it's uh, that trade-off is interesting. You're going to have to like work harder to block more than the three, but you get that one damage. And actually, I think that is a way to push through fatigue decks is if you can pile on the damage early, and then when you start running out of red arrows, hopefully you get them low enough to where you can hit them with a couple traps. But um, we, we it remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. It, it definitely feels like it's it's going to uh, to pop off and kind of shake things up a little bit, which I think we've all been hoping was going to happen. Um, since uh, Dynasty came out and didn't really offer a whole lot, like broadly speaking, um, and you know, with the uprising taste still on all of our mouths, um, <laughs> it's 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 a good shakeup. And I feel like you know we're, we're going to start moving past kind of like the ice dichotomy with Fi kind of along the side there a little bit um, yeah. with some of these new tools with the new heroes. Um, I, I think we're really going to see a shakeup. Yeah, and like who knows if uh, the new assassin Azuri might just be busted in C in CC. I mean, it remains to be seen, but it's possible. It's hard to block without D reacts. It's so hard. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that being said, Outsiders releases this weekend, so make sure you save up your money and go buy those boxes and do all that type of stuff. And uh, we're excited to be able to get our hands on it and actually see this thing in draft and mm-hmm. go from there. But Greg, I know that Greg has a topic just to kind of coincide with Outsiders and the release and us being in our local game stores a little bit more. What's the main topic we're going to talk about? Ooh, this is fun. I've never been thrown a topic before. Um, guys, so with Outsiders coming out, with the hype, you know, kind of built up for it and continuing to build a little bit um, this week, um, we're going to see an influx of new players. It's a great time for people to get into the hobby. It's a wonderful time to start picking up your first decks and just getting out to some events or, pl- you know, just playing with your friends at the kitchen table or what have you. Um, so with that in mind, um, more than, you know, deck building, more than hero analysis or anything else, I think that the most important thing when you start, you know, getting into a new hobby and you go out and you're engaging with new people um, is to know how to engage with those people. Um, one of the biggest things for me, um, and I'm sure for a lot of other people out there and in this room who have had experiences with people who aren't necessarily, you know, the ones that you look forward to playing with, you know, 
Um, I feel like uh, with all of that in mind, it's a really good time for us to just talk a little bit about like some basic etiquette, like what, like going to an event, like not you know even in so much as like don't be a jerk to people, but like you show up to an event, it's full of people that you don't really know, like. What do you do? Do you just go straight up to the desk and start asking for signups, or do you just kind of mill around with other people you see playing your game? Like, wh- what do we think? Like, overall, is the best way for a new player to come in and not make a complete fool out of themselves? Oh, interesting. <clears throat> I mean, I don't think you need to worry about making a fool out of yourself per se, but just speak for yourself, Jamie. <laughs> um, just um, yeah, go up, ask the person working there about the event and whatnot, and get signed up. And then one thing that always worked for us is we get new people. We like uh, a couple, me and other people will show up early and kind of chat and sometimes pull out our cards and play and we'll have people walk up and uh, ask about it. And I think it's important when somebody approaches uh, an established player and asks about them not to brush them off and just be like, oh, yeah, we're just playing a game, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, because obviously they came up to you. And for a lot of people, it takes a lot of courage to come up to strangers. Absolutely, yeah. And and just to, like, engage with them and be like, yeah, this is flesh and blood, whatnot. And they're they're probably there to play because we've had that happen a couple times. <laughs> and just, like, chat and, and try to be chill and remember this is a hobby first, you know. Exactly. Like, um, it, it, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head, just, like, the general sort of, like, welcoming vibe, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Like, th- there's no need to be standoffish about anything. There's no need to kind of gatekeep or anything like that. Yeah. If, if somebody comes up and, and they want to, you know, engage with you and they engage back with them. Or, you know, what are you doing coming to these kinds of events anyways? If, if, if you're not going to participate, I guess, in the social aspect of it, mm-hmm. then why are you here for the social part of it? Right, yeah, and you're you're talking about like local armories and stuff. No one's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no one's winning a million dollars or getting a pro tour invite winning these events. You hope, you know, unless yeah. <laughs> they just change the rules randomly on us somewhere, which is not impossible. But LSS seems pretty good about that sort of thing. Right, so it's like it should be a casual event, and keyword is casual. And some sometimes it's uh, you kind of lose sight of that, but just to remember to grow the community, be welcoming, be nice to each other. You know, like talk about stuff, lend cards. I mean, we even allow for new players to proxy during armories. Like, you know, you you don't know what hero to start. Um, we ha- we all have these cards that we're not using. And if you know you need a crown of providence and no one has an extra to borrow tonight, just proxy. No one cares. You know, kind of thing. And just yeah, being welcoming. I think something I remember is like going to my first armory uh, with you guys and having like a makeshift like. Bolton Blitz deck that was just immediately like by me classic constructed and it wasn't like optimal by any means and so I remember the players being like oh uh, here borrow this and borrow this and it was just like the chess piece the legendary chess piece for Bolton and like mm-hmm. uh, Arcanite school cap for Bolton and uh, some uh, some other things uh, too like hey you need this card in here and all that type of stuff and so ever being welcomed with a, like some of the core pieces and that's always good as well with a new player coming in to to be willing to do that and uh i w- went a long way of like oh cool the community wants me to be able to play so. right they don't want you to be like have the worst cards and automatically lose you yeah. know what i mean because i mean you want a contest too you don't want to just be like oh i got the new guy you know like I right. got the new guy. How about you let me go first and I'll show you how it's done. And then like not explain <laughs> the real rules. Like that's the wrong thing to do, right? Right. Um, saying like odds are evens and roll two dice. You know, it's a bad thing. <laughs> who does that? Yeah, who does that? <laughs> 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 Unless it's a friend. But uh, yeah, you, um, 
And you want to be able to do that, that, and it goes a long way in, in that aspect and being able to talk about your movements in a, in a good way. I, I remember, uh, being, being more, uh, talking about every play I'm doing. It helps, helped me learn a lot when, when people were playing against me. And so I always make sure if I'm versing a new player or, uh, like even having a person watching, I'm like saying like, I'm doing this so that this can happen and, and talk about uh, that strategy can help people see lines a little bit faster. And it's mm. a good etiquette for those new players too. And like, that's, that, that's one of the, like the biggest things that, that I've kind of experienced in this with new people and, and myself being new is that when, when you sit down to play, you really have to be prepared to teach a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's coming in and, you played before or this is like their third game ever or something like that they're obviously not going to have a super strong grasp of even just the basic mechanics because this game is complicated when you get right down to it mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of repetition to sort of build these things into you so being ready to you know explain what a card does why you're playing it i pitched this it's worth one which is right here like we have nothing floating anymore this is coming in for this if it hits it does this and just like not just even with your own cards, with theirs as well a little bit. Like you have to, if, if I feel like you're going to really try to like grow the community, which is sort of the point. Right, right. Um, you have to have a, a little bit of flexibility and a little familiarity with things so that you can at least put your heads together and figure it out. Like even if, you know, they're coming in with like a prism deck and I, you know, you've never played prism before, um, but you've played against it a couple of times, you can still look at the card text and you can figure out what it means. Right. And, and, and another important part is to like, don't be afraid to slow the game down. Even if you're the established player or the new player, you know, I've been on both ends and been like, can you like slow it down and kind of explain what's going on? And I even had an instance where uh, I was playing in a Monarch draft last week um, and I was playing chain and my opponent was playing prism and he's a, a Matt, he's a newer player and not like brand new, but monarch heroes, he never played with them really or once or twice. And I kind of was, I'm, I'm used to a high pace of, of, of playing. It's just the way I am. So I'm just like, Oh, I'm triggering my soul shackles, revealing t- cards from the top of my deck and not thinking like, Oh, he's prism. He can respond. And, you know, and he had to kind of be like, Hey, do you mind uh, slowing down for a second? And, like, explain to me what's going on. And I was like, oh, duh, you know, <laughs> my bad, dude, you know. But you, you got to speak up and say something and not just, like, get railroaded. Let it happen, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know. And I was like, oh, my bad. Like, this is what's going on. But, you know, sometimes you just don't realize what you're doing. Because you're getting it, – it sometimes gets intense in a lot of the new players, too. Like, they're not they, – they see the lines, too. And sometimes they're beating you as well. And oh, so yeah. He won that game, by right, the way. Yeah, he won. <laughs> and so you have to also – hide your frazzledness or like be okay with it too. Cause I mean, it's competitive at times where you want right, to, right. you want to be able to pull a win sometimes, especially if you're chasing like an armory card or something uh, on that note, like with those new players, like it's easy to know the rules so well that you're tempted to manipulate and pull out a win too. And what I mean by that is for an example, uh, Kano is a, big player where you have to reveal the top card and things like that. I've definitely seen people play an, a new player as Kano, uh, or not the new player wasn't playing Kano, but a Kano player uh, definitely swapped a card from their hand to the like, top of their deck to be able to play, be able to do that. And it's because that person's like, oh, that's the effect? Okay. And they don't know any better. Right. There's so, so much just, going on. The person's pitching and grabbing yeah, cards from their deck. Yeah, just and be honest with your... Like, 
you probably don't feel great about that win at the end of the day. Like, what's that going to do for you, right? So just like, you know, I know it's tempting to be like, oh, easy win, new player, all that kind of stuff. I, I hope it's not among most people in our community, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not going to name drop anyone, but you know exactly mm, who it is. I do. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> uh, but you're able to be able to do you help them. And look out for that stuff too, as a, as a player, just like helping the new person. Because, um, I mean, I've gotten rules wrong before. You know, and I've been playing this game, and I've played it at some of the highest levels, and I still make mistakes. So sometimes, you know, someone will be like, hey, man, you kind of messed up there. And I'd just be like, oh, like, you need to step back. And when you get corrected and realize they're not attacking you as a person because people make mistakes. It's a complicated game. There's a oh, yeah. lot of moving parts, even if you play simple, simple heroes. Yeah. Um, so you really do have to be ready for that. And you also have to be ready to kind of, I guess, stand up for yourself if you're sure that they're wrong about something. Oh, 100%. Like, literally, like, the first event that I went to, um, uh, this was just before, I was playing Chain, it was just before the Seeds of Agony ban went into place uh, in the Blitz format. Think for a second. Okay, yes. yeah, okay. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. So it was just before that, I had Seeds in my deck running full rainbow of it, of course, because mm -hmm. Seeds of Agony is wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I'm... I'm playing this game and a guy and I, I don't remember what guy but it was somebody came over and was like you know seeds is banned right and i just looked this up like an hour before and like no i'm pretty sure it's not banned until next week and he just wouldn't stop with you know it's banned it's banned take it out of your deck it's banned mm -hmm. so you know being first armory event ever brand new to this thing i've been playing for i guess like a week or two total um i you know hyper take all the seeds out of my deck oh, and no. throw in a bunch of crap that i just had lying around just bulk nonsense um, and I got decimated. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, obliterated. Um, but so it, it taught me a really valuable lesson that if you're sure about something, stand up for it. And if you're not, all of these rules, the ban list, everything, it's all easy to find online. You can check in like three seconds, and it's worth it to take the three seconds mm -hmm. to check and make sure. There's nothing that's wrong or insulting about making sure everyone's following the rules as long as you actually make sure everyone's following the rules. And there's a Discord where you can, the, yeah. the U.S. Discord, and they have a rules channel, and you could just look through there. There's a lot of common rules things that come up, and you could just... And there's a, there is a judge discord where you can ask questions, but the replies aren't immediate. But, like, yeah, just, just a quick search, you know. Also, like, with an army event, like, it's not that high stakes. Like, people, I, I know, like, at least in our community, can't speak for every community out there, but I know for us, like, if someone showed up next week for a classic constructed and they built Starvo not knowing things were going to go down, we might we might say something and we also might be like, well, let's just freaking do this again, you know? Yeah. Uh, right, you know what I'm saying? Even though Star Wars, Star Wars is like an extreme, but we'd be like, cool, like, that's awesome you brought this deck. I'm so stoked you're out here and all that stuff. Let's give it a whirl. You well, know? We, like, there was one time we were playing Blitz and my buddy brought out, like, a Shiana deck that he wanted to play just to be, like, janky or whatever. And, like, we're playing and uh, I was like, you know that specialization is legendary and you have two of them. And he's just like, oh my god! You know, it's like it was the the chain one that's super good. And I only, soul reefing, yeah, man. And I, yeah. And I only know that because it's because yeah, I play chain, you know. So, uh, but I was just like, it's not a big deal. Just take it out at the end of the event. You're not gonna dominate this event because of this one card. And people make mistakes, you know. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, people are really chill. So, like, just yeah. be accepting and be like, hey, just to inform you this. 
and you might want to get your money back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you spent all that money on Star, but you might want to get it back. Right. Uh, but uh, being able to explain it and then play the event out, I think people would be more than willing to be able to do that. Uh, and if not, like... And, and just be welcoming to new players, because, like, right now, my core friend group is me and these, these two others, um, and we're pretty good friends. We hang out all the time, Kyle and Grace, and we met because we showed up to a game store to play Flesh and Blood. All three of us, new people. We were new players, is what I meant. And... Um, Freshly out of the womb. Yeah, Little right. babies playing flesh and blood. Well, new people, you know, like, could mean that we knew uh, people there. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. But anyway. Uh, so we, like, showed up one week, and then the next week we were, like, the only people who showed up, and nothing fired, and we decided to, like, talk to each other, and we all got into the game at the same time and hang out and play video games and became friends, you know? So it's, it's cool to look at this hobby and realize that you can, like, transcend people beyond just playing flesh and blood like i made a lot of good friends i met both of you playing flesh and blood i consider us friends you know that makes more or less secretly i hate all of you all right <laughs> no for sure like this definitely like I, I with any card game in general like these are relationships that if you're going to be going to the week like you have to be cool with hanging out with them every single week and so just treat each other with that respect and happiness because you're inviting them to hang out with the boys, <laughs> hang out <laughs> with like the friends, right? Right. Be able to have a new group of friends and you have to be willing to meet with them every time there's an armory and stuff like that. And Flesh and Blood is such a unique place because the community is so new that a lot of the same people are going to different local game stores to be able to play. Uh, mm -hmm. And so you're going to meet the same people over and over and have those established relationships by the end of it. So, yeah. Nice. Very nice. That's super awesome. So just like, so just stay, stay welcoming, stay flexible. Just kind of go with the flow a little bit, right? <laughs> I mean, go with the flow. Go with the flow. And so then just really quickly, the, the flip side of it, if somebody, you know, comes in and, you know, isn't being chill, is just being kind of a dick to everybody, like how do you handle that? Because genuine, and, and, and this is a genuine question, like I, I don't know the best way to do this. Um, and I don't think that there's really anybody in our community who I would, you know, point a finger at as being like, oh, that guy or anything like that. Uh, but at the same time, it inevitably it's going to happen. If it's not happening here, it's happening somewhere else. Um, and it's important, I feel like, as a community, we know how to tackle that problem so that we keep the community from becoming a toxic place, from becoming not welcoming to new people, and we can continue to grow this hobby. So is, is it just, you know, pulling them aside and having a conversation? Is it, you know, community vote to ban from events? Or, like, <laughs> what... The, the, Really, like, wh what do you guys think the right sort of way to handle that kind of situation is? I mean, and this is something that comes up in, like, all these, this gaming sphere, you know, Dungeon Dragons, Magic cards. I mean, it's it's something that doesn't have an elegant solution, and I think that's part of the problem is a lot of people are afraid to tackle this issue because the, the first thing is when you're, when a lot of it comes down to personality and the way people interact with other people, whether it's lack of social uh, cues and emotional intelligence or just people who um, have that kind of cavalier, I don't care about anyone else attitude or whatever it could be. Um, or maybe they just, just don't know. Uh, but a lot of the times when you try to talk to an individual about something like that, it can come off as um, attacking somebody, which is definitely what you don't want to do. Gatekeeping or something yeah, like that. Yeah, gatekeeping or just saying you're, you know, it's very easy to be like, hey, you're kind of being rude to these people, and that'll come off as like, hey, you suck. You know, it's just it's just the way people react. So uh, definitely I wouldn't go for the banning route. Um, probably the best is to pull an individual aside and talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. It's not something you want to do uh, 
in a group of people or whatnot because again it can feel like a lynch mob sort of thing and i look at it kind of like as the same level as a manager at a store you know tackle these problems in private and uh give examples don't hyperinflate. don't be like hey man a lot of the times you're kind of a jerk that doesn't help anybody what's that gonna do you know you got to come with specific examples and uh possible solutions on how to handle situations better you know what i mean like hey we had a new player and you kind of raised your voice at them and got very argumentative when they asked you a question and it kind of put that player off so maybe like get somebody else involved or a judge or something to help explain it better or you know something uh, in, in that case um but even then sometimes that's not gonna work and and it is a card game people are welcome to play even if they're not the nicest individual and sometimes you just got to uh kind of bite the bullet and put up with it and um help other people mm. and i think you're right like bringing it up to them is is really good and if it's a continued thing like usually if someone came to me like sometimes we, we all deserve having a a bad day once in a while too like if we right. come in and we're just cranky or something happened and we might be a little bit more rude like i would expect people to be like, hey, that was kind of like, you were like that. And then they can be like, oh, you know, it was kind of a rough day and I'm sorry I put it out there and things like that. And that's, that's totally fine. It's just when, uh, if you do have someone in your community that has constant offenses and you've brought it up to them and things like that, then it just might be a bigger conversation of like, being able to be willing to be like, hey, like, honestly, a lot of people's enjoyment has left because of X, Y, Z, these actions that you've done. And like, I, I think it might be best if like, it would be an asking of like of being able not to be here and that's an extreme right and right like i mean you could but always ask they ultimately can't stop what they what they choose to do mm -hmm. hard conversation to have in general but if you're willing to have that conversation uh, it could end up being more solutionary because you have the at risk, right, of, like, not playing a game might make someone change a little bit. Right, right. like, you could definitely, yeah. this is, uh, these kind of games are environments where one person can suck the fun out of the room. So it is a hazard. That can happen. Yeah. You know. So, yeah. So it's interesting. Like, it's, it's always a tough conversation. But the moral of the story is, like, you're in control of your own actions and just make sure that you uh, help those that come in that are new to the game and, and uh, you know, be nice to the mean guy at these events make, makes them change, too, of being, like, Hey, like giving them compliments. You might see kill them with different. kindness. You know? That's my, might see them come out of their shell a little bit different as well. So, yeah. And some people keep in mind some, uh, there are individuals who are just awkward and just don't know any better and just be nice. And like, especially in a hobby like this, um, I, I feel like, you know, things like trading card games and that kind of thing sort of attract people who are a little, uh, outside the mainstream. We'll yeah, say more introverted. Yeah. Exactly. A little more yeah. introverted, a little more quirky. Um, so we, we have to allow room for everybody. Yeah, for basically. sure. Basically. Yeah. And just commu <laughs> No, not at all. Okay. Well, not, not like Hitler doesn't get to come. Okay. <laughs> Are we talking oh. art school? No. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Just, just try to be inclusive and remember, uh, there's also sometimes where somebody will come off rude and they have no idea. You know what I mean? Just one person's rude is another person's sarcasm is another person's hilarity. You know, it's so it's it's important to realize that everything is up to interpretation and to not just assume the worst, too. If you think someone's being a jerk and they're just like really trying to make friends and they're just a sarcastic guy and then you like 
And again, this is why if you do talk to someone about an issue, you pull them aside and be like, hey, man, like, I don't appreciate that. And they're like, I'm so sorry, dude. I was just trying to joke around. I didn't realize, you know, and then boom, conflict squash. Whereas if you never say anything and you just get upset about it, you start. It swells. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, again, deep topic for a release of a new (laughs) set, right? But it's because it's going to attract new people. We have new heroes that are really, really cool looking and artistically. Like Riptide is a really, really cool design. Azuri is, you know, little mm-hmm. Uzi Vert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that. Little Uzi Vert. Little Uzi Vert. Uh, so it's going to attract that, the people who just want to rock, you know. And uh, it's it's going to be it's gonna be a great set and have a lot of new people. And just remember to just be out there, have fun, be kind learn together and explain the rules and it's going to be a great uh maybe you'll establish new friendships mm-hmm. romance just have fun marriage i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> anybody if you've gotten married because of some uh, because you met at flesh and blood please drop us a line and let us know for our brand new uh confessional podcast flesh and blood in the trenches um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know couples who met playing magic the gathering back in the day hey, like see? it happens you know look man once flesh and blood gets a couple of marriages under its belt then it's going to be ready to box then with the big three then it's the real matrimony of flesh and blood you know? no hmm. nice tie-in that was fantastic all right guys so we're running out of time but we have just enough time left to squeeze in our recurring segment the focus lessons learned since nobody else freaking reacted to that. Thanks, guys. Lessons Uh, learned. There we go. That is not the right sound effect for that. (laughs) But it's the... There we go. That's more like it. That's perfect. So, Jamie, I'm putting you on the spotlight this time since we gave you a break last time. What, uh, What lessons have you learned this last week in Flesh and Blood? Reading the card explains the card. Bam. <laughs> now, now they work. Now so they work. I, I was like looking through some of the majestics or whatnot uh, of the new set, kind of looking at the constructed side of things. And there were there were two cards I got super excited for because I thought they worked one way and then they worked a different way. And I was just like, you just read the card. It was an extra two seconds. Like, oh, man. But, you know, um, a lot of the things can be solved a lot of the times we get in our head, especially like you were saying with Benji, where you've seen a card before, maybe played with it before a long time ago, and you got a way that it it works in your brain, but that's not necessarily correct, or you misremember, or whatever, and you just assume, and then it'll come up later, oh, that's not how that works, and whatnot, and it'll blow you out in a game, or like, you know, just things like that. Pay attention. That's a really solid lesson, and, and just kind of a good, like, foundational thing to keep in mind. Like, the benefit of playing a game like this as opposed to, like, games that don't just have the instructions written on little pieces of paper right in front of you (laughs) is that all the instructions are written on little pieces of paper right in front of you, basically. Right. Um, So so as long as you have, you know, a second-grade comprehension level... Uh, you should be you should be just fine, more or less. Yeah, except yeah. for some weird interactions, some but really yeah. weird ones. But yeah. but at that point, then you call a judge over, and the judge explains it to you, and then you just remember that for next time. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Uh, lessons learned for me, um, I would say, is um, oh, man, uh, pitch stacking is a strategy. I think I really understood pitch tra- stacking more this time uh, around, which is fascinating. So in sealed, like. I was making sure I was pitching my arrows for a late game because I knew I was getting fatigued and it ended up being really beneficial uh, in my favor to pull off some really good stuff at the end. Um, and so uh, it was the first time I really understood that pitch, pitching stacking was awesome. So there's that. This is why you should play Guardian. 
please don't. No, it's it's okay. It's okay because the typical like the the people I've been playing before, it's like I'm just making sure I have the most amount of pitch so I can play the most amount of cards. And now it was like I only have like one or two cards I could play, so I might as well be pitching like the other cards that I feel would be stronger in the late game. It, it makes a radical difference, right? When your opponent has hands of all blue and you're like, I still got a red arrow every hand because yeah, I pitch. It's huge. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I do that. That's awesome. Also play Guardian. Um, so uh, I guess my lesson is is kind of like yours, Matt. Um, it's less uh, like pitch stacking specifically and more don't throw stuff into your deck just because you think it looks strong. Actually take a second and like think about the synergies and whether you're going to need this card at some point. Um, if you don't, maybe you leave it out. Sub it in for something else. Um, there's a you can really easily get a lot of dead weight in a deck, um, and then you know have a handful of stuff that you know situationally might be really good, but the situation hasn't been set up yet. Um, I've run into that a couple of times in the last couple of weeks where I have like two or three like really like on their own like on paper powerful cards in my hand. Like yeah, like a command and conquer or something. Yeah, exactly. But I just don't have a way to like pop them in order to take full advantage of what they are you know mm-hmm. um so so i guess i guess strategy like actually taking a step back and making sure that what you have in your deck has a purpose to be there um has kind of been my big lesson this last week yeah we could do a whole segment on uh, how to properly play art of war you know next <laughs> week ladies and gentlemen <laughs> art of war 101 all stubby hammers coming. Oh, <laughs> no stubbies all right, guys. Um, I think that we are pretty much wrapped up for today, unless we had any final thoughts, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. No, I'm good. All right. So, oh, uh, oh Matt has something. Hold on one second, guys. You guys have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. And with those words of wisdom, everybody, with, with those words of wisdom, I'm Greg. I'm Matt. I'm Jamie. And we're the bottom tier team. You all have a great, great rest of your day. Have a lovely, lovely rest of your week. And we will see you here next time. Toodles. Take it easy.